Hi, Bill. Happy New Year. How are you Happy doing today? Happy New Year to you, Robin. Oh my gosh, it's great to see you today, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. I haven't talked to you for a month. We've all been off doing crazy different things as we're oh closing goodness, Q4 yes. out and seeing customers and partners and getting ready to spend some time with the loved ones. That's right. So any arguments or fights around the uh, Christmas table this year or the, no, the holiday you know table? <laughs> the household was peaceful, Robin. We, oh. uh, you know, had a great time. You know, it was a relaxing time. And, and I think it's always good to recharge those batteries. Sounds like you got the chance to do that too, yes? Of course. I'm always recharging and relaxing. All I need to do is open something Kato, ingest all the goodness, and it recharges my batteries. The days Same I'm not that. working, the days when I'm just wandering around aimlessly in a field, those are the days I feel draining. If I can, <laughs> if I, I can ingest more sassy goodness into the spirit, life is great. Or maybe like this is just a sign that I'm slowly going through a psychotic break. Let's find out, okay? <laughs> Let's start of a year. It. Let's see how we go. <laughs> Right, so let's get straight in with the goodness and let's talk about the security incident that is causing your brain to ache at the moment. There what you do you go. have for me, Bill? What I've got for you is what's known as the Terrapin attack, Robin. And what Ooh. a time of year for this to come out when everybody's trying to wind down for their winter holidays. Suddenly we have this attack that affects something that the industry uses so much, and that is Secure Shell, SSH. Have you used it before, Robin? Have you heard of it? <laughs> I might have used Secure Shell once or twice in the past. Sure, once sure. Or twice. No, no. So this one, now listen, I, I, one of the things, and you and I have talked about this, Robin, I, I don't like to be an alarmist when it comes to cybersecurity, especially when you see new CVEs being opened and the CVSS publishes. You know, a lot of times, we can be, you know, we have a tendency toward being very alarmist. And, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I, I, I think when you're an alarmist, it, 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 it distracts from you making good decisions. Secondly, threat actors love to use alarmism as a distraction. So yeah. I, I think we need to be careful. But if anybody wants to look up the Terrapin attack, there was a CVE released in 23. It was 48795. And I, it's, it's CVSS score was 5.9. So this puts it kind of firmly, if not at the high end of the medium range. So, so what's the big deal? Why are there so many news articles about, uh, out about it? In fact, if you do a search on Terrapin attack, there is no shortage of websites that you're going to pull up. They're going to tell you all about it and the massive disaster that it represents. And I, I think the reason for it is not so much the CVSS score, Again, 5.9, it's a medium. Mm -hmm. But the fact that on the open internet itself, the, the estimate is that there's somewhere around 15 million plus servers on that open internet that utilize Secure Shell, utilize SSH, SSH servers. So I think that's the worry. This, this essentially is a, it's a downgrade attack that has very specific requirements. Now, I'm going to get into something that I love, Robin. So please control me. I need you to control me, right? Because this is one of my favorite subjects and that's cryptography. This is literally a downgrade attack that seeks to downgrade the encryption algorithm that Secure Shell uses. Mm -hmm. Make sense? It makes sense. Makes sense. So really, and, and some specific requirements. So let, let's talk about the downgrade first. First, what they're trying to do is downgrade to one of two types of encryption algorithms. One is a specific algorithm, 
which is Cha Cha 20 with Poly 1305 Mac. Now, what does that actually mean? <laughs> right. So Cha Cha 20, very fast stream-based cipher. And I, I tend to be a little biased. I like the stream-based ciphers, even though the block ciphers are a little bit easier mathematically for me, certainly in my head. But ChaCha20 is actually pretty fast as a streaming cipher. It's actually faster than AES encryption, which is kind of the gold standard, right? The advanced mm-hmm. encryption standard. Uh, even AES with, with Galois counter mode, the, it's, it's faster. So uh, that it, it, it's good from that perspective. And then, of course, Poly1305 is doing that message authentication, uh, which essentially is just saying, yes, the traffic has arrived intact. And yes, it's coming from who it says it's coming from. So integrity and non-repudiation. But uh, so they'll either try to downgrade to that particular algorithm or they will try to downgrade to a kind of a class of algorithms that use CBC, cipher block chaining, uh, with encrypt then MAC on the back end. So this is very similar, only now we're talking about a block cipher, CBC, uh, which means you have to do all that padding in the blocks, of course. Uh, but then, you know, doing encrypt then Mac. So they add the the message authentication code afterward. Um, so how realistic is this in terms of, we talked about those 15 million plus servers, how how many of these servers would this work on? And, and actually, because we have the insight into that, uh, it, it's you're looking around 77%, 78, 77% of real world secure shell sessions are actually secured with these algorithms. Yikes. Right. Quite a few. So it may be, you know, uh, it may not be high on the CVSS, but I think that's why all the news is getting generated that, you know, there, there's just so many sessions that are a part of this and, and the vulnerability begins. Now there's, there's another prerequisite part. And that is that in order to downgrade the ciphers on this communication, there has to be what the industry refers to as a man in the middle. Uh, I, I prefer adversary in the middle, but we'll 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 use the industry term, right? Man in the middle. Uh, uh, it's, it's good to use non-gender binary yeah, terms. I, be more inclusive. Hey? I, 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 I kind of feel that way, you know. Is why do you assume that the most powerful threat actor necessarily is a man? <laughs> right? Uh, let's, let's think that through. through still. Uh, anyway, that is what it is. Uh, right? Yeah, but, bring your mind forward. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, I mean, really, what what we need is we need an adversary in the middle on the network right uh, at that network layer and and what they essentially attempt to do is they, they'll intercept that traffic right that secure shell now a lot of people don't realize this but the beginning of a secure shell session the handshake portion is actually not encrypted wow right didn't know that now of course there's no access at that point it's just that initial handshake um, but th- but that is a, a, a non-encrypted thing and what will happen is the adversary in the middle will will get in the middle of that traffic and they'll drop the the ext info messages. So this is kind of the beginning of the handshake, where information is being exchanged about the encryption protocol extensions that will be used. So we're trying to negotiate an encryption protocol between a client and a server in Secure Shell. So initially, they they kind of advertise to each other. Here's what I can talk to. It's it's not much different. It's different, but it's it's not tremendously conceptually different than the way web servers work, right? When we use TLS encryption, there there is that kind of section where we kind of say, hey, what languages can you talk? And then once we decide, then key exchange happens and all that good stuff. So the adversary in the middle drops those messages in order to downgrade the encryption cipher to one of those two vulnerable types that I mentioned. But here's the thing, Robin, 
If you start dropping messages as a, as a threat actor, you've got a problem because Secure Shell maintains sequence numbers on both ends of the transaction, right? They have sequence numbers on the server as well as the client. And if you're, as an adversary, you're dropping messages out of there, the sequence counters get out of sync and then Secure Shell knows that something's wrong. But mm -hmm. all the attacker has to do uh, is that they fill in those dropped messages, those slots, so to speak, with an ignore message. So the client or the server just ignores it, but it, it, it increments the counter, right? The sequence numbers. Now they stay in sync. So, you know, it, it, as far as, as Secure Shell can tell, there is no adversary in the middle. Okay. So that's all the science, right? And and we didn't go very deep. I, I'm trying to hold myself back. <laughs> Even though I want to talk about it more. But what does this actually do? I mean, that that's really that's really what we need to get to. What what can this actually cause? Well, there, there's really two things that are of tremendous concern. One is that the adversary in the middle, the attacker, can actually force the victim session to log into a different account without the user being aware. That's pretty rowdy, right? That's privilege escalation. That, that's yeah. that's significant. Or what I think most folks would expect, they they can even the the, the attacker can even gain access to the the encrypted session. So now they're in, right? And that that's that's pretty significant. So so what do we do about it? Uh, how do we actually mitigate this thing? So again, it's kind of a medium severity. Um, but, but it's, it's the attack surface is, is absolutely huge. So one of the thoughts initially was, um, force AES with Galois counter mode, force it, right? Because that mm -hmm. algorithm is not actually vulnerable to this type of attack. So, you know, you can actually force that. The problem with doing that is that it can cause loss of access to, you know, older servers, right? There may be older servers that aren't using this encryption protocol. If you're forcing that, then, you know, you're not even going to be able to connect to that server at that point. So, so that's not going to work. And even if you did, even if you enforced AES with GCM, if you're using an older version of OpenSSH, and let's be honest, that's a very commonly used uh, SSH client and server, uh, I think it's version 6.2 and 6.3. Those had a buffer overflow vulnerability. So <laughs> the recommendation is patch, 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 patch. You've got to patch both the client and the server. That is the current recommended fix. Now, you have to do both. If you patch the server, if either side is patched but the other is not, you are still vulnerable to this exploit, right? So you got to do that. That's that's it. Still exists. You got to patch both sides. Patch your clients. Patch your servers. Mm -hmm. Second thing, and and this is just more from my thinking. Again, think about getting off of the open internet, right? For doing your secure shell work, get off of the open internet. Reduce the potential adversary in the middle, right? I, you know, again, I don't know why people are of this mindset that, well, heck, if it's over the internet, nobody's going to be able to get it. That's entirely not true, right? You're increasing your attack surface. So what can you do? I'm going to go back to what you were talking about earlier, Robin, where you where sassy was on your mind, right? Think true sassy with a global private backbone. This is ideal because it eliminates that massive vulnerable 
middle mile, let alone quality of service, it reduces that attack surface, right? Because you're now on a private backbone. It is secured. The traffic is secured. So, you know, any of your secure shell work that, that tends to get done, if you're using a secure access service edge, it doesn't matter if you're trying to get to your tenant in, you know, one of the public cloud providers, SASE can treat it just like it's one of your private sites and, and, and get you off of that. So, so that's, uh, I, I think that's a couple ways to look at that. You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is if somebody were to say, Hey, Bill, can we continue as we are with our open SSH without patching if we're on SASE? Well, the answer to that is, yeah, you can just understand that although you have massively shrunk your attack surface, there is that last mile that you've got to think about. Right. So, so be careful with that, but yes, that can, that can help. So I'll, 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 I'll stop talking now, Robin, because I want to hear from you, but I have an important question, a very important question. Why do they call this attack Terrapin? Is it because you're not turtling? Uh, it's good. Well, so you you oh. understand that it has to do with the turtle. No, the reason they called it Terrapin was because both this attack, OpenSSH, and the turtle both mm. have shells. They all have oh. shells. It's all back to the shell. Oh. It's a cyber dad joke. What a way to start oh, the new year, right? <laughs> oh, happy new year, indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to do that, Robin. No, you know, it's, it's just, I, I, I think it's an interesting thing how how cyber, again, continues to evolve. We're in a new year. Awareness is raising. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, you got to start it with a little bit of humor as well. But uh, but understand that, uh, that this, this feels moving fast. In fact, you and I were talking uh, today before we started recording and uh, raising awareness had a direct impact on you, I guess, uh, over the holiday season. Tell, why don't you tell everybody about that a little it bit? It really does. So we are security practitioners. We are curious and collaborative and sometimes tread on the morally gray line of the law in our constant pursuit of adversarial tactics and protecting against it. You it's know, a blurry line. It's a very blurry line, but we have good intents. That's where the white hat hackers come along, or even the gray hat. You know, we, we do the good stuff. Yes. But as of late, the world of the Flipper Zero has got oh. very, very popular. Now, oh, if you're not familiar with Flipper Zero, folks, it's at its heart, it's a tool to just monitor wireless frequencies, RF, look at sub gigahertz monitoring. It's effectively a Swiss army knife for signals. That's, That's right. At, at its heart. However, they got super popular on things like TikTok and social media, as these devices are freely purchasable for around $200 in our retail, 140 British. Or if you're looking at the reseller market now, I've seen in Australia, they go up to about 3,000 Australian. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's, they've become that popular, supply and demand has kicked in. Now, a lot of folks, especially on TikTok, they like using the Flipper Zeros to open Tesla charging ports or yes. to turn on AC units or to turn off TVs because it has an infrared sensor that can just blast multiple signals. That's right. However, it's also being used in more nefarious ways. So mm. you have the ability to add standoffs. You can add Wi-Fi modules, Bluetooth modules, and a whole bunch of other stuff, That's which right. is allowing people to do deauthentication attacks on Wi-Fi beacons. It's allowing people to do uh, device theft. And because there's an NFC and RFID reader built into these devices, it allows you to tap cards like RFID building access cards, hotel right. room keys, or even credit cards to acquire a version of the number. That's right. 
Now, personally, I use a Flipper Zero because I have a lot of RFID cards I use. To get into multiple offices, I have different RFID cards. To gain access to some of the social clubs I attend, we have different key fobs. That's so right. I would use a Flipper Zero to scan all of these fobs. And so it only has to carry one thing around instead of multiple different tags and tokens. Very convenient. Yeah. Very convenient. Um, also then, you know, the, it's a little bit of fun. So when I was deciding to fly out of the UK and go via Gatwick Airport, as usual, I put the flipper in my bag with my other tools, a nice little Wi-Fi pineapple for fun, uh, several Hack5 cables, uh, a computer device, because when I would go to a prospect, a partner, I would show them the type of adversarial techniques that can be used. Of course. And I've done hundreds of flights like this and everything was fine until I got through Gatwick. Uh, put the bag onto the belt. The belt went through the x-ray. There was a beeping. Bag got moved to the side and it was removed and they had to confiscate it. And the, oh. the security agent, they said that they'll have to contact the police because this is known as an active hacking device and they believe that it can cause damage through flights. So this is now starting to enter the public domain as okay. a potentially... And the term that was used by the security agent was a device that can cause intended terrorism. Now, I like that term, intended terrorism. Intended terrorism. terrorism. This is versus accidental. Oops. Oops. Uh oh. I made a shoe bomb. It, yeah, it I, I, I tripped over the rug and made a shoe bomb. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was very, very surprised that they were actually seizing that. And it was on a list of things that they said were banned. I asked wow. the agent if they can show me the list and he just turned it around and said, here you go. And I looked through and most of it made sense. You've got your razor blades, you've got your, your knives, you've got explosive devices. But at the bottom, it said flipper zero. And underneath flipper zero, it also said signal amplifiers. So uh, that, that's yes. a very big issue. It is. So I was a little surprised. They asked me if I was going to do any terrorist activities with the flipper. I said no. And they said, okay, don't worry. On your way. Yeah, everything's good when I explained what I did. But it's nice to know that those devices are now making their way into the mainstream because of the accessibility of the devices. That's amazing. Now, flippers, uh, cybercrime is becoming bigger and better. It's getting easier to do things. Heck, you can steal, as I mentioned to you earlier, Bill, you could very easily steal a Land Rover with a coat hanger to act as a signal amplifier for a, um, a Land Rover key, and then a simple $20 ODB card jack. Like right. Within a few seconds, you can have your $100,000 car stolen from under you. Mm. So good advice, folks. Don't leave your key fobs near your door. If you yes. have any car at all with a remote key fob, put it into a Faraday cage, yes. put it into a secure box, leave it away. Because even if it has that rolling key, they can be spoofed in one way or another. So they certainly can. Yeah, Robin, I, just to jump in there real quick. Uh, and, and I love that you brought up the key fobs. You can get these, uh, you know, you think Faraday cage, where, where on earth am I going to avail myself? Look, you get on, get on your favorite online retailer and for 20 US dollars or, or less, you can do that. In fact, I think you even made a suggestion of putting them in the microwave. Yeah. If, um, if, your mileage may vary with your breakfast in the morning, but yeah, sure. Yeah. You can do that. Well, we all need a bit more iron. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, so microwaves work well as a Faraday cage. If you're not familiar with what a Faraday cage is, it's just a way of blocking electric signal. So That's it's right. a whole mesh that allows no data to come in, no data to go out. If That's you right. carry a bank card that allows you to do contactless payments, Get yourself an RFID blocking wallet as well. Because yes. something like a skimmer or a scanner, if you're standing on a 
on a train or in an airport, I could just walk around with a device at you know, waist height and just start tapping and taking lots and lots of payments. It's incredibly right. easy to do. There's no authentication needed. And as long as it's below a certain threshold, you may not notice $30 leaving your bank account. But if I walk through an airport terminal that's very crowded, especially around, say, New Year's Eve, well, just say that $30 amplifies dramatically. So sure. always focus on yourself. Yep. I know, Bill, you were talking about SSH. You were talking about looking at securing our digital connections. But we can never forget that every element of that digital life applies to our physical life. We yep. are carrying around so much data with us. We have so many different types of reliances around this technology. And a lot of people are very trusting on the innate encryption and security of those devices, not realizing that if somebody has a slight malintent of any form, everything could be taken away from you. So no it only takes a few teeny tiny minimal investments to really protect your life. But luckily, I have the, the flipper zero is back in my hand, one of six currently with various different levels of boards, pinouts, and solders. Yes. But the next time I fly, I'm going to put that in my check-in luggage. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I'll be best. <laughs> That's be a good idea. Yes. All right, anyway, Bill, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Was, Pleasure as good, always. Good start to the new year, and I shall catch you next week. You stay All safe right. out there. Yeah, you too. Take care, Robin. Mm -hmm.